the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hi Kids show. My name is Renal Silverstone and I'm your host for today. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. And thank you for tuning into 101.9 Hi FM and listening to the Hi Kids show. Today on the Hi Kids show, I'll be speaking to Rabbi Garden. He will be talking to us about Purim. So listen kids, don't go away. We have a very interesting show for you. Get ready for a very interesting show here on 101.9 High FM. You're listening to High Kids on 101.9 High FM. This is High Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Renal Silverstone and I'm your host for today. I have Rabbi Gartner in studio with me. So send your questions to 34519 or WhatsApp to 061-895-1019. Good afternoon, Rabbi. Good afternoon, Renelle. How are you? Well, thank you so much. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How's your day been? Fasting. But except for that, <laughs> fine. Same here. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and getting used to sitting on the other side of the table. Ah, uh, yeah. I see. So, <laughs> challenge. Yeah. Eh, it's always a new day. <laughs> So what is Purim? What is Purim? That's a very big question. Um, okay, we can start first with the meaning of the name Purim. Purim is, stands for, it comes from the word of Pur, which in Hebrew means goral, means a raffle. It's very interesting that the name of Purim comes from one of the acts that happened in the main story, which was when we, which we will get to later on, uh, what was the disaster that the Jewish nation was facing? But when the day was chosen of when to um, have the Jews go through that day, it was done by raffle. Um, it, it would look maybe as a coincidence of the day, and that's why it's called Pur uh, and Purim, which comes from the raffle. So that's the name of Purim, as you asked, and the story of Purim. Um, as you mentioned, what is Purim? So the, the story of Purim is actually a very big story, and it's fascinating. I don't know how much we realize that the when we look into the Megillah, which is the story of Purim, it actually takes place over nine years, from the beginning of the Megillah until the end. It was it wasn't like a, a incident that happened over a day or week or months. It was quite a few years, and the story of Purim is a story of. Redemption. It's a story of uh, a community that was in danger, that were in risk to be killed, to to lose everything, and um, it, there was a turnaround. Thank God. Um, interesting enough is that the story starts with the result, with solving the problem, which means because if you look in the beginning of the historical events of the nine years, we look at starting with King Ahasuerus getting excited and a few years into him becoming king, throwing this massive party uh, that took quite a long time that everybody was invited to. And during the time, he um, got into a disagreement with his wife, uh, would put it in nice ways, and, and, and he got her executed. And the Megillah moves on with the story. After he got rid of the queen, he was hunting and looking for another queen. And eventually he found one. And that finding the king, which was maybe we'd think not directly connected to Purim, was the King Esther. She was the source of solving the problem in a way. So 
what happened was eventually later, now we're getting to the story eventually, <laughs> um, that there was a very evil man called Haman, who was um, the, one of the ministers, the, the top minister of the government, and he had convinced Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus to get rid of all the Jews. He said there's one nation that are terrible for economy, terrible for the world, and we need to get rid of them. And he bribed the king, and he got permission to choose a day by raffle, as we mentioned before, on Purim. That was the day that everybody ha- is permitted to kill any Jew that he sees and that he is interested in killing of, and the Jews will not have the right to defend themselves. Taking that event was, it, it was, they knew quite some time before, Jews were praying, they were very nervous, what's going to happen? And then, after um, a difficult night that the king had, and he realized that somebody had has saved his life, um, he started looking into it a bit more. Uh, the queen, who heard about everything that's going on from the prayers, and we'll talk about the connection she had and how she got to uh, Mordechai Tzadik, who was the one that saved everyone, she got involved, and she went to the king, and she invited Haman, and she basically told him that she is part of the Jewish nation, and she's at risk, and Haman was caught in a very unpleasant situation. Um, and I'm skipping a lot of details, maybe we'll get to it later. And he was caught kind of betraying the king, which the king then changed. And he got rid of Haman, brought Mordechai Tzadik in, and then gave the Jews the ability to defend themselves on this day. And yeah, so that is the nutshell of the story. Um, I'm sure as you'll ask questions as we go into the story, we'll hear more information and more details and get a better picture. But that's the basic concept. Wow. How was he caught, though? How was Haman caught? Y- yeah. So, um, okay, so he he was caught because uh, Esther, who was the king, actually mentioned it to the king directly. She did it in a very interesting way. Um, she actually invited Haman and the king to a party for one day and then for another day. And then at the second time when the king was in a very good mood and he said, what do you want, darling, up to half the kingdom? And she said, I just want you to save from this terrible evil person who's trying to destroy my whole nation. And Haman took a bad move and tried to beg for his life. And it seemed to be in a way that was completely inappropriate and once the king realized that he's trying to kill her family and he's trying to behave inappropriately, he uh, changed the, the, the decision and uh, he wouldn't cancel the war, but he said that the Jews will have the right to defend themselves. Wow. So what is the Megillah? Okay, the Megillah is the story that actually brings the whole event from beginning to end which, obviously, if you want to know the full story, you'd have to hear the Megillah because Haikids is just an hour and we don't have that much time. But, um, it's, it's the, it's right, it's the writing down of the story after the events happened to actually understand because, you know, when you're very close to the story, it's not so easy to realize what's happening on a period of nine years. I'm sure some of our listeners nine years ago weren't even around yet. So nine years is quite a long time and to have the um that long of a period has to be coming in a book so we could actually see the story from beginning to end from when it started and not only that it actually ends with the lessons that we can do today and why we do perm today and what happens which is fascinating wow 
How do we read the Megillah then? So we read the Megillah in order to remember the events that happened so we can actually use them today. Because as I mentioned right before the Megillah, not only that it tells us the story, it actually gives us the points of what led to one to another and what was the process that the Jews were saved by praying, by getting together, by by being united, by the importance of bonding with each other, with Hashem, many parts which we need to be reminded constantly today. And when we get to the technical part of Purim, like the Mishloch Manot, Matanot the all the... Um, mitzvot, as we say, um, we will see that it's affecting us today. So every year we get, we connect to the story and check what is applicable for us for this year at this day and age. Interesting. Sure it is. How many times do we read the Megillah and why? So we read the Megillah twice, once at night and once by day. And for a very simple reason. When we understand that the story of redemption, the story of being saved is because of the prayers, is because of the looking up to God and, and connecting to what he says, we also realize that it's a full-time thing. The times when the Jews were praying to Hashem, the times when the Jews were connecting, they did it day and night for three days. So we can't just come and say, okay, we'll do it by day, by night we're going to party or sleep or be tired or whatever. Um, we actually have to celebrate the redemption just like we were nervous and we were praying day and night we'll also celebrate and learn the story day and night or actually night and day why do we dress up on Purim I mean it doesn't say it in the Megillah okay so that's that's a big thing first of all it's a lot of fun but the, but, the, <laughs> yeah. but the real reason the real reason is like this it says um, that the the story of the Megillah was venafahu one of the things that it does say in the Megillah that everything turned around from a situation that the Jews had to go into war and they had no permission to defend themselves. They were basically going to be murdered. They turned the situation around to a different area. Sorry. So uh, we the same thing is we kind of look in concepts and changing situations, being other people. If, if somebody is rolling in a certain um, demeanor who he is, Here's his opportunity to change, to be different, to connect to his real soul and connect to who he is uh, without the, you know, technical parts around him, like the regular clothes, the regular appearance, the regular dressing, and change the facts around the person. So just like the Jews changed from about to be killed to a fair uh, ability to fight back and to defend themselves and to win... Anybody could actually change over. So we use it as a symbolic thing of um, changing. We change who we are for one day to be different and to, to win. we got to be winners. Yeah, for sure. So can we dress up as anything? So the answer is yes and no. Yes, because you can. You can dress up as anything, no problem. However, um Purim is a very special day. It's not a day that you want to lose what you believe in and lose who you are and and completely destroy yourself. So if you have a certain dress code around the year of modesty, of appearance, don't destroy everything over that night. Stay up to your code. But any character, any person, anything you want to be, go ahead, have fun. It's not a problem. Just stay connected to your baselines of of appropriate and unappropriate. But regarding the custom themselves, no limitations. Cool. 
Yeah, completely. So have fun. Does Queen Esther have a Hebrew name? If so, could you tell it to us? Okay, uh, Queen Esther, first of all, Esther is the Hebrew name. Um, that's her name. Uh, she had two names, Esther, and do you know what the other name was? Hadassah. <laughs> okay, you're allowed to say. Um, it's Esther and Hadassah. Those are her two names, two Hebrew names. Um, there's a discussion in the Gemara, actually. Was her real name Esther, and they called her Hadassah, or the other way around? Her name was Hadassah, and they called her Esther. Two different opinions. And the reason that it would be like this, one opinion says that her name was actually Hadassah. That was her name. That was her born name. And they called her Esther because Esther in Aramaic is like a store. It's like the moon. And she was beautiful like the moon. And that's why they called her Esther, even though her name was Hadassah. That's one opinion. The other opinion, and there's a few on each area. We'll stick to two. The other opinion is the opposite. Her name was Esther. She was born of Esther because she hid herself. She hid who she was. Um, she hid her her nation, her appearance, which is also one of the reasons we have customs on to hide who we are, right? Which is part of what we do. Um, there was we said before the Venafochu, and there's this also the the hiding the appearance, and she hid the appearance. That's why she was Esther. But they called her Hadassah because Hadassah, and you mentioned before that you speak Hebrew. Hadassah comes from the word hadas. Hadas is, a, is a, we use it in Sukkot, right? It's the leaves that they smell very nice. And that's what we call the tzaddikim. We call them hadas because of their nice smell, the nice contribute to the world. And because she was a very special person who had a good contribute to the world, they called her Hadassah, even though her real name was Esther. So those are her two opinions about her name. What was her real name? Was what was her added name? But she, as you said, her name was Esther and Hadassah. So what was your opinion? Hmm, I learn all opinions. I'm not, I, I never met her, actually. True, true. <laughs> so I don't know, and I've never, I don't know her name, but I go with what the Gemara says, and, and these are two opinions, and, um, you know what, I'm fine with both. Esther, Hadassah, yes. both great names. What is the Hebrew date that Purim is celebrated on? Okay, the Hebrew date Purim is celebrated is Yudalid Nisa, uh, Adal, okay, which is happening tonight. In some areas of the world and Tetvav and then in other areas in the world. Okay, so which means like this. Um, the concept of Purim, we celebrate Purim on the day that the Jews could actually relax. Okay, they were, went to war, they were under the tremendous stress and it was scary, they could have been killed. Once they had victory, they started celebrating. So in everywhere in the kingdom, they were fighting on today, Gudgimel, and they rested on the 14th tomorrow. That's why we celebrate the 14th. However, in the city itself, in Shushan, war took place for another day. So they actually were celebrating only on the 15th, on the day afterwards, on Tetvav. So that's why they celebrate Purim on, in Shushan, which is in Iran today. They celebrate on Tetvav. Because Jerusalem is such a holy city, so it was elected to be celebrating on Tetvav just like Shushan. So, um, and not only Jerusalem, any city that was built in the times of Yoshua, I'm not going to explain that well, but at the times when the, the Jews came into the country, they had a wall built around it. So all those cities do Tetvav. So it's actually quite cool, cool. If you live in Israel, you could celebrate two days of Purim. You Dalet, and then just go to the city next to and do Tetvav, do another day of Purim. Um, 
by the way, which could also happen three days, because if Purim comes out on the Shabbos, so they separate Friday and Sunday. So you can have Thursday in the whole country, Jerusalem Friday, Shabbos Sunday. So it's like an amazing weekend. But those are the dates that we have Purim on. Wow. What does Matanot Live Yonim mean? Okay. Matanot Live Yonim is um, presents that we give to the people that need, to the poor people. Um, we, we have to understand the concept of Matanot Live Yonim is... Can, is giving what we have and sharing it with other people in the community. The, the, the basic understanding of it is like this. We have to have the part of the, of the redemption that we had is when all just got together. Everybody was on the same level. Everybody was connected. So it's very critical that we actually take our money, take our presence and give it to the poor people. Bring them up to us. Let's be friends. Let's be together. Let's be caring. To the degree that it even says that the Rambam, he brings that when a person gives matanot levyonim, try to give it to somebody who needs it, not only for financial reasons, somebody who's an uh, immigrant, somebody who's a convert, somebody who doesn't have family, somebody who is uh, living alone, somebody who's an orphan, or whatever it is, people that uh, are not so involved in the community, uh, this is not their natural place, it's another form of way to give them and support them to bring them into the community. Obviously, it's got to be people that need the money, but um, it's it's yeah, that's giving the presents to the people, and we got to do two amounts, two presents to two people at least minimum. And go ahead, feel free to give much more to many more people. Wow. Well, let's take a quick song break, and we'll figure out more about Purim later. You're listening to Chai Kids on 101.9 High FM. This is High Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Renal Silster and I am 11 years old. I have Rabbi Gartner in studio with me. If you have any questions for him or if you want to say hi to your friends and family, you can send an SMS to 34519 or you could WhatsApp to 061-895-1019. You can call on 010-140-3020. Let's carry on with the questions. Is it a mitzvah to drink on Purim? And if it is, why? Okay, that's a tough one. Um, so there is a mitzvah to drink on Purim. However, let's be clear about it. Drinking is not something that you should be doing. Um, for sure, not in big amounts. And you got to be very careful about your drinking. Um, however... The mitzvah of drinking of Purim doesn't mean get drunk till you lose your mind. It doesn't mean that you get drunk until you're not responsible. It means drinking a bit. And if we quote the Ramo, who's one of the biggest uh, halacha writers, he says like this. He says that because the the whole redemption, the miracle happened and the help happened from the party with Achashverosh that he had, the Mishtahayayin, the wine party, the alcohol party, so in memory of that, says Rama, a person should drink a drop more than what he's used to, and then he goes to sleep, and then he gets disconnected from uh, daily events and understanding. So it's not about getting wasted. It's not about getting drink, drinking unbelievably amount. It's drinking a bit more than what you're used to. I hope you're not used to at all. But if you are, uh, just drink a drop more and remember the concept, remember the miracle of um that we were saved because of the wine party, which actually it's fascinating that the answer to the problem came before the problem itself. If we look at the historical events when it started. 
Very interesting. Okay, so you don't have permission to get drunk, if that's the question. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we drink until we can't tell the difference between Mordechai and Haman? Because the times of the confusion. As, as I said, if you drink a drop more than you used to and you go to sleep, you also don't know the difference between Mordechai and Haman. Um, so it doesn't mean that you have to be crazy drunk. Um, however, it's very important that we understand that the situation can change. Sometimes the bad looks like good and the good looks like bad. And you have to be very cautious, very careful. What are your actions? Be aware of your surroundings. And by the way, that's something we need to do today as well. Be very aware of what's happening around you, knowing that what's good is good, what's bad is bad. Uh, don't mistake in each other and just stay focused. And that's one of the big things we've got to remember that our mission, because of the confusion, the whole Purim thing started because of the confusion between good and bad and what's the right actions we need to take. Hmm. How is Osnei Haman related to Haman Tashin? Okay, so that's that's a bit of a tricky because, you know, the original Osnei Haman, today I know HaFM has amazing competitions about who <laughs> eats the most Osnei Haman and Haman Tashin. However, the original Osnei Haman I don't know if you would even know. It was uh, it was like a cookie, a triangle cookie, but inside, you know what was inside? Jelly. Jelly. No. That wasn't the original? <laughs> what? <No. laughs> that, you're confusing it with Pesach. No, I'm just joking. Um, the original was um, seeds. Like, you know, perig. Um, what is it called? It's uh, it's like those um, poppy seeds. Uh, sunflower seeds, maybe. No. Pa- um, we put another challah that is small oh, little... Yes. Um, uh, uh, Poppy seeds, I think. Yeah. Perig, it's called in Hebrew. And the reason was very interesting. Because at the time of Esther, Esther, when she did not want to eat things that weren't kosher, she was very cautious about it. So she, when she was living in the palace, she said, I'm going to eat just, I'm going to be in this interesting diet. I'm just going to eat seeds and things that are for sure kosher. And the same was she learned it from very great people that lived in her time and before, Hanania, Mishael, Azaria, uh, these are very important people. And she, because of their commitment to uh, eat the seeds and not to eat the unkosher food, then in memory of that, we created a cookie called Hamantashen with the uh, seeds inside. So even if you don't need Hamantashen or if you do, but you don't need it with seeds, it is a very nice thing to try to get a hold of some seeds in some kind of form on Purim and eat something. Um, not obligated, but it's cool, and that's where the custom started from. Hmm. What is Shushan Purim? As we mentioned, um, Purim is, can happen in two days. The first day is Yudalet, which is tonight, and the second day is on Shushan, because Shushan was where the action actually took place, and they rested only a day later. So they have the 15th as Purim and not the 14th, so they're celebrating actually on Friday. And so as Jerusalem and some other places that are questionable, that they're also doing Shushan Purim because they, as we mentioned before, they celebrate on a different day, the day later. Hmm. Where do we celebrate Shushan Purim then? Today, in, it's happening only in Shushan, in Iran, and in Jerusalem. Uh, there are commentaries that talk about Tveria. In Israel, and there's a very there's an interesting place right near the airport, in 
in Israel. Not many people know about this. You know what? In South Africa, we're probably the only ones that are going to be talking about it. There's a place called Chiriye. That used to be the biggest dumpster of Israel. Okay, they threw all the rubbish there. Now it became a nice park. And it's not far from the airport. And according to a lot of traditions, that place was one of the original cities of Bnei Brak, which was one of the original cities that had a wall around them in the times of Yeshua, which means they should celebrate Purim the next day. And I actually know some people in that area that for some keep both days, just to be sure. Uh, I mean, sounds like a great opportunity, but they keep both days. And yeah, so the, those those are just examples of places, but the main places are Jerusalem and Shushan. Hmm. Very, very interesting to know that. Yeah, we can go to another place, celebrate more days of Purim. Yeah. Okay. How many sons did Esther have? Okay, so I'm going to be saying on radio, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly. Um, go ahead. I'm pretty sure it was 10. Okay, it could be. I'm not um, really sure, but I think so. Okay, I'll tell you about one famous son that she has, that I could tell you. She had one son called Darvish. Darvish was the king after Hashverosh. He was Esther's son, and he was a very uh, good person who actually gave the Jews the opportunity to go back to Israel, to go back to Jerusalem, and build the second temple. So he was a son of Esther, so that's the one famous son that Esther has. Um... And, yeah, I'm sorry. Maybe if one of the listeners knows. Um, Comment it. Yeah, let us know. Yeah. How many sons did Esther have and what were their names? Um, Ooh, except the names, for, whoa. <laughs> except for Darvish. Darvish, we know. Nine, let's just say, don't say Darvish, yeah. Yeah, don't say Darvish. So, or, or say it if you don't know, if that's like a song you know. Just anything, say it if you know. it helps. <laughs> yeah, so help us. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to do your job now. 34519 is the SMS line. <laughs> 0618951019 is the WhatsApp line. How many kids did Esther have? Maybe yeah. we'll get an answer. Okay, go ahead. What Jewish, like what Jewish kind was Mordechai descendant of? I'm assuming you're asking about the tribes. Yeah. Rather, 12 tribes. So he was a descendant of Binyamin, which is a very interesting point that you're raising because Mordechai... Um, and Esther were descendants of Binyamin, okay? And do you know who else was from Binyamin originally? Binyamin. <laughs> and after him, famous guy, the first king in Israel, Sho. Oh, yes. Okay? And Haman, you know what, who, where he came from? Binyamin. Amalek. He wasn't Jewish. He was from Amalek. And what was the reason that Sho lost his kingdom? Years before, Shaul was the king that was supposed to destroy Amalek and go to war. And it didn't happen. Fascinating enough, his grandchildren went to war against Agag's grandchildren, which was Haman, and then the mission was accomplished for many years ago. So it was Binyamin, who was Shaul's um, tribe, against Haman, who was from Amalek. Hmm. Wow. History makes sense eventually. Not always. We'll see if you matriculate. Okay. What were Esther's? Sorry, we already discussed that. (laughs) When was Haman hanged? Okay, Haman was hanged not on Purim. Okay, do you know when? He was hanged on Pesach. That actually, the story (laughs) happened on Pesach. I don't know if we mentioned about the story in the Megillah, the night that the king didn't sleep well, and then they called in to read from the memory books. That was Lela Sedil. That was the first night of Pesach. And then that was when um, 
afterwards, um, Esther asked Haman to actually come to a party together with Achashverosh the next day and then the next day, and then afterwards he was hung. So he was hung on Pesach, um, way before the war, way before it happened, uh, he was killed separately. And that happened in Pesach, and only months later, the whole Purim story story happened. Oh, so that mean that doesn't doesn't that mean that Purim should be after Pesach? What do you what do you mean after Pesach? Like, shouldn't we like say the Megillah when we bang? You know, when no, you hear his name. That's a very good question. But because we celebrate the redemption, we celebrate the the danger was over when the Jews were able to save the war. It wasn't over when um, when Haman was killed. So only then um, the message was over. The the war was over. So once it was over, it was Purim. But actually, even though he was dead, the danger was still there. Oh. This has been High Kids, Four Kids, Bad Kids. Oh, sorry. <laughs> my name is Renal Solson. I'm 11 years old. Thank you to my guest, Rabbi Gartner, for coming on High Kids. And thank you to my producer, Mandy and Craig, for pushing the big red buttons. Join us tomorrow for another High Kids show only on 101.9 High FM. Bye, kids. Have a good super sh- Purim fasting.